0: we are recording okay
1: do you want to lead the way
0: sure Um, (laughs) let me pull up the file okay I thought I had it I guess (laughs) I don't have it oh no I don't have it up (laughs) anymore because I had to stop my computer and restart it but that's okay you're just going to cut all of this audio later I don't know. I like, oh, frog. <laughs>
1: Welcome back, everyone. This is Des. Hi. This is M. It's so good to have you here. Thank you so much for listening.
0: We want to start off by thanking you all so much for all of the love and the positivity and the grace that y'all have given us for episode one. Um, I know I'm a little overwhelmed <laughs> with
1: all of it. And how are you feeling? I am way overwhelmed. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I am very shy when it comes to this kind of attention. So I appreciate the ones who are very close to me who um, find the gentlest way to tell me that they've listened without scaring me into a cave. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... <laughs>
0: Girl, you know, if you disappear into a cave, I'm gonna drag you out in
1: the gentlest way possible. <laughs> oh, I know. It'll be a gentle it drag. Will you will bring along with you like a very fur carpet yes. and roll my body yes, onto my it. And like there will be harps playing. I may playing. cradle you in my arms and carry you gently out of yes. the cave. <laughs> you know, what? I think I'm going to find a cave just so I can experience this. <laughs> oh, goodness.
0: Uh, that's so funny, but yes, thank you all so much, uh, for all of the love and all of the, all of the things. Um, we also wanted to take a minute to let y'all know what today's episode is about. So, um the title of this episode is what's love got to do with it growing up in a latinx home and learning what love was in service and in motherhood so em and i are going to talk a little bit today about our respective families um the very strong uh female identifying figures in our lives um and the reason we're starting off with that is because we recognize that this topic can be triggering for folks um And so we wanna take a minute to let you know that when we get into a couple of other issues that may cause uh, folks to feel a little triggered, we are gonna make sure to give you a warning. And it'll also come with a couple words about what it may trigger so that you can take a couple of seconds to pause if you should need to. Um, So yeah, just wanted to preface that real quick.
1: So Des, I wanna start with you. Tell me a little bit about what you saw growing up in your home. What did you see in terms of the way uh, female roles were established in your household? How did you see love play out? what What did that look like for you?
0: So growing up for me was pretty non-traditional um, from what we're used to hearing are a really common narrative, mostly because my biological parents weren't necessarily in the picture. Um, they were pretty irresponsible. I will say that they were young parents. Both of my parents were 20 years old when I was born. My father was serving in the Marine Corps. Um, and my mother had just finished her GED and my mother came from a, a pretty, a tumultuous background as well. She had been baptized when she was a teenager, baptized, nope, adopted. (laughs) Two very different things. She had been adopted when she was a teen and um, met my father in high school and they had me really young. I honestly don't even know if they ever got married. They said they were married and my mother took my father's last name, but I never seen no proof anyways. And so they had me and then they had my sister a couple years later, and after they had my sister, things really took a turn for the worst, and so neither one of my parents was really around for my upbringing. I was given a home, I was given food, and I was clothed by my grandparents on my father's side. While they, I know that they love me, um, we didn't really talk about feelings. Like, it wasn't until I got a lot older that my grandmother finally started to tell me um, te quiero, which doesn't even translate to I love you. Um, if you think about it, it just means, like, the literal translation is I want you, te quiero, like, you know, to want something. But it's, it's still very much in that same sentiment. Like, I've never, I've never heard my grandmother on my father say to anyone, te amo, which is I love you. And that's okay. I mean, it doesn't hurt. I know that she loves us very deeply. I was also really close to the woman who or the family that adopted my mother, the Morgans. Um, My grandmother on my mom's side was probably one of my best friends. And when I lost her, it was really, really hard for me. But again, like I grew up in this really... Interesting dynamic. I had to take care of my sister when I was really young. My grandmother on my father's side left Mexico. She was the only sibling out of eight to leave Mexico to come to the US with her husband. She married late in her life, and a lot of, you know, old school beliefs will say that. Like she le the train, and, and meaning like the train left the station without her, and she was never going to get married. But she did. She had my father, um, and when she married my grandfather, she also acquired three more children. Um, so it was super like non traditional. And when my grandmother got to the states, she took a job as a seamstress, and then had to quit because my uh, father was incredibly attached to her, and she couldn't go to work. She couldn't really do anything without him kind of throwing a fit and so she quit her job um, and her dream was to become a seamstress like a well-known seamstress she made a lot of my dresses when I was little she made my Quintanera dress she helped uh, with my wedding dress um, and then in terms of my grandmother on my mother's side my grandma Carol took on a lot of responsibility because my grandfather was very ill from what I remember for most of my life and so it was definitely the non-traditional. And now that I, I think about it even more, both of my grandmothers were just very, very standoffish emotionally. My grandma Carol later in her life started to tell us that she loved us. And then after her stroke, she could barely communicate, but it was almost as if I understood how upset she was with herself for not communicating her love for us even sooner. And so, yeah, the roles in, our, in my home definitely played out a little differently. And because of that, I've always been in a multi-generational house. Like my mother for a little bit of time, my grandmother, myself, my sister, I'm all, I've almost always lived within at least one or two different generations in our home. And that's very much how it is now because my partner and I are the primary caregivers for my grandparents on my father's side. There are three generations in that home. There are my grandparents, us, and then Sophie. Uh, my daughter who um, most of our close friends know she is three years old and she spends a lot of time observing and um, asking a lot of questions and so as I watch her interact with my grandparents I think a lot about the sacrifices that my grandma made to raise my father and the, sa- the sacrifices that she's making now as an elderly person not really getting to enjoy her great grandchild. Because she's really busy taking care of him, um, and she didn't really get to enjoy us as grandchildren because she was busy stepping up for her son uh who didn't who didn't do that, so definitely really different I think from a lot of the stereotypical roles that we hear about It's just been really interesting to see that dynamic play out especially now that I'm a mother like my grandmother would constantly tell me to go to school to prioritize my education to get a really great to have a really great career and now that I'm a mother like as I'm still trying to continue doing that in a professional space she's now giving me a different narrative Mm -hmm. right and so it's just really interesting to see how the roles transition as especially as a as a female identifying person like when I wasn't a mother and I wasn't married, like, take on the world. It's yours, right? But as soon as I transitioned, especially into motherhood, like, oh, no, 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 honey, your time is up. Like, you should have done that before you had a child, right? And so it's this notion of like martyrdom and like self sacrifice, which is really fucked up.
1: <laughs> and it's not okay. <laughs> That is not okay. And it, yeah, it it creates this uneven balance in a partnership. Yeah. Um, Yeah, absolutely. One of you is expected to give up everything, Mm -hmm. put someone else before you, Mm -hmm. and the same expectation in heteronormative relationships is not put on, you know, the male-identifying person. absolutely not. Um, This, like, martyrdom and and, um, is really tied to femme identity. Yep. And I think I saw... A little bit of both camps when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, my uh, grandparents on my dad's side immigrated um, from Mexico. Um, my grandparents on my mom's side, um, my mom's side of the family has been in Arizona since Arizona was Mexico. So, okay. uh, border crossed them. That's right. And I see a little bit of both. I had um, some of my the female identifying folks in my family who are a little bit more traditional who mm. are like, you know, you know, always asking you um, <laughs> around the holidays. So, so when are you gonna meet somebody? When are, you, when are you gonna settle down? <laughs> or when you have someone, some boy that you bring home, they're like, so when are you gonna get married? Mm. You know, do you want to have kids? Mm. And it's very like the future that they they want to hear about the the future that they want to hear you dreaming about Mm -hmm. includes like family life Mm -hmm. and settling down, and I think that always like really scared me.
0: It's terrifying. I think,
1: (laughs) and I think it scared me in like a lot of ways. I think like I I, like was always conflicted because like when I was little and still now like I'm very much a romantic. Mm -hmm. Like I love the idea of just like falling in love with somebody and. And (laughs) you know, being wooed and and you know, sharing like you know, passing notes to each other and you know, giggling for no reason like all the crazies (laughs) that you go through, you Like somebody, the excitement, yeah. Yeah. But I also like there was a lot of heartbreak in my family, there's not a lot of, um, I think all but maybe just my grandparents, one set of my grandparents and um, one of my tia and tios are still married. Mm. Everyone else either had children out of wedlock or like um, had another partner that they initially were married to. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't really see like that whole happily ever after narrative like play out in real life in my family. So I think that That is what has influenced some of the women in my family to be very encouraging to see the world and do life my way. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting how you're saying that it's, that's something that they wanted for you, but not for themselves. Yeah. And I think I was fortunate to be able to see a little bit of the women in my family pursue their own dreams and passions, Mm -hmm. but at, at like what cost? Oh. At what cost? Like, can you can you can you pursue the kind of life in the societal structure that we have today can you pursue the kind of life that is fulfilling and puts you first as a woman and you know allows you to follow all the things that you pursue and And have a home life. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, that idea that they try to tell you when you're little, like, you can't have it all. So you have all these movies where, oh, you have this, like, shrewish boss woman who Mm -hmm. doesn't... She's really good in her career, but she doesn't have a family. Or you have, like, this mom who stays at home and doesn't really have, like, dreams for herself. But hello, running a household is a lot of fucking work. Um, It's a full-time job. (laughs) That is a full-time job. That woman has dreams for herself, and her dreams could be to have a very high-functioning household where everyone is taken care of. Absolutely. Um, And, yeah, I I think that's something that, like, really is hard for me to think about, too, when I think about my mom. Mm. Um, My mom is someone who left the house really young. She moved from Arizona to California to pursue her dream of being a musician. Mm -hmm. And she's been doing that since she was very young, professionally since she was 19. So when I was little, like, I grew up in a house with mostly boys. Mm -hmm. So I have three younger brothers. Um, I'm the only girl. I'm the oldest. Um, And my dad took care of us a lot when my mom was out traveling and pursuing her dream. Mm -hmm. And I think... Even though I saw that in practice, I didn't really see a partnership between my mm. parents where it worked out well. I don't know yeah. how to fast forward through all of that or summarize it quickly, but you know, my, my parents are no longer together, and I think that that was something that I heard from my family as to why it didn't work out. It's because of because of like. The life that my mom wanted to pursue, mm-hmm. um, and it didn't fit with this narrative of, oh of taking care of the family yeah. and staying home. And I think, like, thinking about that and then hearing from my her mom, my mm-hmm. nana, a little bit about the heartache that the women in my family have experienced at the hands of men, whether it be sexual violence, emotional mm-hmm. abuse, or... Um, the kind of abuse, like financial abuse, like where you are stuck in the situation that you're in and you can't, you know, you don't have enough like wealth to be able to escape the the partner that you have. I think there's a lot of trauma on my mom's oh, side yeah. and I think it's unfortunate, but it's the kind of thing that encourages them to support me in pursuing a life as a single woman living on my own um with no like I don't have any deep desire to like settle down and start a family anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's very I feel very fortunate to have that within my own family because mm-hmm. I know a lot of my friends who experience a little bit more pressure from from within to, you know, have a certain kind of success that includes motherhood. Mm and i'm i'm 28 i still don't know if that's that's in the stars for me i don't yeah. know if that's something that that i want and i i really don't know i don't think that that's a decision i would make for myself right now mm-hmm. i think if i were in a partnership um i that would be something that we could come to together but i don't know i yeah. feel like i'm i'm stuck with the wanting I'm in a space right now where I'm wanting to be selfish and like care for myself. And I don't think that I am healed enough from, you know, my own, my own relationships and what I saw growing up to be a good parent for a child.
0: But why does that have to be selfish, boo? What part? Caring for yourself and doing Um, the things that you want to do. Like that's, I think that's what, that's another reason why we're sitting here, right, is this notion of like us taking the time to do the things that we want to do and and to live the life that we want to live. Like, why does caring for yourself, putting yourself first and doing the things that make you happy first? Selfish. Mm. Yeah. Right? I, who?
1: And I think that's why we're talking about our home lives, yeah. because I think we learn a little bit before we knew we were actually learning these things Ooh. and picking it up, you yeah. know, we have that internalized narratives right. of, of, you know, mark martyrdom. Is that how you say that word? Uh, martyrdom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you, we pick up on those things about, yeah. How like if I am a woman and this is how I see the other women in my family performing love, mm. um, performing you Ooh. know acts of sacrifice. Right. Um, you know who is who's the person in the kitchen who is making food for everybody. Mm. You know who is you know we make jokes all the time about our you know latina women like yelling at their kids for not helping them clean mm-hmm. so, right, but-
0: <laughs> there, there's an entire empire built on that kind of thing like t-shirts and exactly all of it right and it, as funny as those things aren't as much as we joke about them like inherently th- that is a learned behavior it's another, it's another kind of systemic oppression. I think that, that like yes, we talk about and we joke about, but we don't talk about enough. We're not having the conversations to break down. Um, the systems of oppression that are built within our own families which are intergen, like intergenerational right now we're going to start talking about well this is a whole nother episode but like intergenerational trauma and how we we carry that on and how we continue to sustain those systems within our families and a lot of times without even knowing that that's what we're doing right and so there's a there's a lot to there's a lot left to unpack and y'all and our therapists so don't worry we're gonna move on from that topic soon. Um, I think another thing, you know, that we don't talk about a lot in our families is, especially amongst the women, is this like notion of like sex and relationships and, you know, what it's like to have a conversation with a female identifying, presenting child and a male identifying, presenting child, or a child who does not identify with either gender, right? Like how are we having those conversations moving forward and how do they sound different from the conversations that were had or weren't had with us when we were younger? Like my grandmother never sat me down to talk to me about sex. She never sat me down to talk to me about what it meant you know, to really take care of myself. I would leave and she would tell me one, like a couple of things as she walked out, as I walked out the door, it was usually like, te cuidas, and which means, you know, take care of yourself and to make sure that my, I was home on time. And those were the only conversations that we had about sex. Like we never actually, you know, had full blown, yeah, no, never. And... I'm sure that looked very different for you. Em. I didn't grow up with men in my home right, or around young men, right? Mm-hmm. So for us, it was like, take care of yourself. And then I learned about my vagina and how magical it is at school with a teacher.
1: Girl, I'm still learning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay, sorry. right? We still like, learning. <laughs> do y'all remember like, when, how old you were when you found out there were three holes shit you know you have that one friend in college who's like talking about like having a pee and then like tampons and you're like girl that's not the same it's not the same thing you right. can pee with a tampon <laughs> right 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 um, right and if that's blowing your mind please go google it get to know your get to know yourself your vulva is yeah. a beautiful thing it is um, a very beautiful thing yeah I I had very gendered care experiences right. um, as being the only girl in a Latinx household, the, um, a Mexican Catholic household. <laughs> Hold on. Let's unpack. So, <laughs> just take a second to breathe in and breathe oh, yeah, out right. all the
0: guilt. Ooh. Okay. 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 Yep.
1: Ooh, okay. Um, I, so yeah, yeah. I have three younger brothers and growing up, I had really strict curfews. Mm. If I was supposed to be home from band practice at 4.30, and it was 4.40, and my mom hadn't heard from me from my Nokia cell phone. Okay. She'd be calling my friends. What? Like, where is is Emily? Oh, my god! Is she with you? What's she doing? Sorry, I got distracted Uh, (laughs) playing Snake. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) um... Sometimes me and my friends just like to talk like we wanted to just take like the Cosmo Girl quizzes or whatever. I don't know. Like I literally was such a square in the best way growing up, but my parents never trusted me. And I think that's because like part of it is you have this idea of purity yes. and like the social construct of being a virgin or what virginity is. And like, you know, no sex till marriage. Mm. Um, I, I also like never like held hands with a boy in front of my parents until I was like 25. Wow. Cause, and I, you know, I had like boyfriends that they knew like when in middle school, high school, dang girl, Um, who were always so respectful, like shout out to my first first handful of boyfriends. Y'all were great. Thank you for being yeah, so sweet and, and kind um, and for putting up with having to go on dates with always one of my brothers around. Oh my gosh. Em. Girl, wow. I was not alone with a boy, that <laughs> I liked that way until a uh, freshman year of college. What? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So And I think it's because, you know, again, speaking of like virginity and like, you know, take care of yourself. I was taught that it's my responsibility to not put myself in a situation where a person would want to enact harm on me. And, you know, it's rape Mm. culture. Absolutely. It's rape culture that does get perpetuated in your family home. Mm -hmm. um, And you know they're they're policing what i'm wearing Ugh. they're policing the the times that i'm late for curfew or um you know i didn't i didn't get to sleep over at any friends houses mm-hmm. um so it's like you have a bed at home like i work right. so hard for this house like why am i gonna let you sleep at so-and-so's mm-hmm. house i i had very strict rules growing up and they weren't also applied to my brothers Mm. My brother's That's like I was going ask you. My brother's curfew growing up, like I think, like in high school, his was like around eleven. Uh, I'm sorry if I'm wrong about that, but that this is my perception. This is my side of the story. <laughs> sorry, brothers. <laughs> sorry, bro. Yeah, but this is my perception. Like I was supposed to be home like eight. Like if the sun went down, I was home. Wow. And, you know, I'm playing. on... am I'm the nerd as nerdy as they come. I was in marching band, I was in soccer, I played Nancy Drew PC games, and I loved reading. I definitely saw like a huge discrepancy between myself and my brothers, and that was something that like when I was younger I would start thinking about like once I, you know, understood pregnancy and sex and all that. I'm like, "Wow." You're worried about me potentially um, deciding to have sex with someone, or you're worried about me being with someone who decides that for me without my consent, and you're worried that I might become pregnant, mm-hmm. and the implications of that are that I can no longer be in school, or like I'll be shamed, or mm-hmm. all the other things that come with becoming a you know an unwed young pre- pregnant uh, mother to be whereas you have my brothers who are doing <laughs> god knows what but <laughs> who knows who at all hours of the day at all hours of the day I can only get pregnant once every nine months okay you know those boys could have been impregnating whoever they want twice a day let's do the math here we're over here <laughs> I'm like I'm sorry uh I know my brothers are kind people y'all they uh, are. but I'm just thinking like like scenario wise like this just doesn't make sense right? as right. to why I'm the one getting super policed mm-hmm. and all the victim blaming comes on me. Like if, right. if something were to happen to me, I always thought that that's my fault. Well, what were you doing is mm. the first thing. Like What were you wearing? What were you wearing? And that's something that, you know, you learn from a young age before you really know that it has to do with this idea that, like, I'm the one, I, like girls are supposed to look out for themselves, mm-hmm. but no one is telling the boys in the house, how to treat a woman or how to treat someone they care about or how to engage in a physical activity with consent. No one. I don't think I understood what the word consent was until like some Degrassi episode. Oh, shit. Shout out. (laughs) Shout out to Degrassi next generation. um, You know, Jimmy Brooks edition, because that's where I learned a lot of Yeah, things like I didn't have an older sibling, and just like you, nobody was gonna have the talk with me. Nope. They were gonna let me. They're like, you know, they let the cable television do all the education. Oh shit! Damn cable TV. (laughs) Uh, And I, and it, it's wild because I, like, even when I did lose my virginity, I did. I was so, I was so ashamed for it. Wow. It was not a. It was not a. Like, on so many levels, it was not a pleasurable experience for me. Um, But I was also so ashamed. I remember crying Mm. so much in the shower. Like, oh, the shower is one of my favorite places to cry, by the way. Same. (laughs) Because, you know, you're already wet, and (laughs) it just feels nice, like the water on your crying eyes. But, no, I remember crying so much, feeling that shame that, like, wow, I did this. Like, you have all this, like, you have all this... um, energy and, like, ideas about what it is or what, what sex is and mm-hmm. and what it's supposed to be and who it's supposed to be with, like, mm-hmm. and when you're supposed to do it, like, once you're married um, and you're supposed to do it to procreate, you know? Mm-hmm. It has a, <laughs> right. It serves a purpose. It serves a purpose. And to have sex for the sake of pleasure was not something I understood when, when you know, I, I first had sex and I... I didn't even tell my very best friends at the time damn and the wild thing was none of us told each other when we had lost like our virginity or whatever we had sex for the first time I'm not gonna say that phrase anymore Um, (laughs) (laughs) you don't lose anything that's right (laughs) Um, this is the first time I had sex Um, and yeah none of us told each other a few years later we all found out oh wow like that we had all had sex already, and we're like, "When did that happen for you? When did that happen for you?" And I'm like, "Right, wow." All of us were too ashamed to even tell the people we tell everything to. Wow, that those things happened. Wow, you know, and it, it, it blows my mind to know that, like, so many years later, I can have an entirely different view on it. But, mm-hmm. but for me, I. I had I learned through experience. Yeah. It wasn't because someone had a conversation with me about those things to like really equip me right to navigate that to navigate life um, and 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 a sex life yeah. with somebody in a very safe way and it you know I had I had to be able to um figure that out for myself and mm-hmm. like do that with my friends and I don't know I have a lot of I have a lot of feelings about that the gendered experience of growing up and the expectations you have to take care of yourself whatever that yeah. means yeah i my so shout out to my very
0: first boyfriend when i was like 15 um he was the one that really helped me wrap my head around consent
1: Hey there, just wanted to give you a trigger warning for underage sexual assault. I will count down from three and then you pause this podcast and skip ahead 15 seconds. Three, two, one.
0: At the time... I was, so I had been raped twice as a child. And so when him and I first started talking about like what it meant for us to be involved romantically, he started out as my math tutor. (laughs) That didn't last for long. Um, This, This is someone we like uh yeah I yeah? think I'm I'm okay. looking back now I'm I'm really thankful for the experience that I had with him being like my first like boyfriend committed relationship uh we went to two different high schools and he legit started out as my math tutor y'all like I was okay. failing geometry I was gonna um, make a
1: joke about sexy math tutors though. I mean but I wanted to know if it you was know. if we were good still <laughs> no okay. yeah
0: okay I mean I haven't spoken to him in years and I know that he has a child and he's married and um and I'm I'm very happy for him um I hope he's thriving I really really do. Um but he was the one that really helped me understand what it meant um to give somebody consent to mm-hmm. even like hold my hand. Like I'll never forget our very first date. Uh we went to see Zoolander. Um and he leaned over and like got super close and asked me if he could hold my hand. And I was yeah. like um yeah. Sure and like everything with us was just really like slow moving in the sense that like he made sure that i was comfortable at, at at every single point in our relationship when it would advance physically right and i mean i chose not to have sex until i was whew, 23 But a lot of that was because I was fucking terrified because everyone was like, don't touch a man because you're going to have a baby. And I was like, well, shit. It's like that scene in Mean Girls. Look it. You'll get chlamydia and die. Okay, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So I was like, uh, not trying to have sex with nobody. So like I chose that at the age of 23. And... But even then, like, we were still learning what it was to, you know, to take care of our bodies and to explore, you know, our bodies for pleasure. Like, it was still something that I struggled with, even at the age of 23. But yeah, it took a long time for me to be able to have open conversations about my sexuality and Mm -hmm. about, like, sex for pleasure, which is ultimately one of the biggest stress reliefs for most folks like it's a part of your self-care like get to know yourself get to know your body like Mm -hmm. you can't have a relationship with another person like physically and intimately until you know what does it for you like Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so it's yeah i think now as an adult who's about to be 33 holy cannoli (laughs) um like, I've, I've learned so much about it. And it shapes the way that I want to talk to Sophia about it, right? Um, for those of y'all who don't know, my I have a, a child. She's three. Um, and a lot of times I find myself having to challenge the things that, like, I grew up with, right? Like, she loves wearing dresses. And sometimes I'm like, did I put that on her? Did I... Did I make her think that she always had to wear a dress, right? I don't, I rarely wear dresses. I'm in a dress today, but it's like, it's rare, right? And I I try not to like point her to the things that are just pink or just, you know, purple or colors that are, that are, you know, gendered um, for one sake or another. And it like, I'm just really cautious of that because I want to make sure that we're not passing on that kind of like gendered thinking, to our kids. Like, I, I want my child to grow up <clears throat> loving her body, being comfortable in her body, knowing what makes her body feel good, knowing what is not okay. I love the fact that my kid doesn't just hug anyone, like I'm, I support the fact that like she doesn't walk around at family parties and hug and kiss everybody because she doesn't have to, oh, right? That like, is
1: such a weird expectation mm-hmm. we have. Like it's her body, right? And mm-hmm. Especially that Thea's a kiss you on the lips. Uh huh. I'm sorry, yeah I didn't ask for this. Like I, I know it's a cultural thing, but it's like it's something that, I if you don't grow up with it, and you know, I'm like between worlds sometimes, you know, because I, you know, yeah. Mexican family, American family, sometimes you're both, sometimes right. you're neither, sometimes you're not enough of one. Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> That's real. And yeah, like some of those learned practices, they, they're just so jarring. When, they are. Because, you know, I think like um, like private space and, and like boundaries physically are very Americanized thing, mm-hmm. Americanized Western thinking oh, yeah. of, of space because of all of the... Trauma that we don't talk about and don't make space for healing. So, we need more physical boundaries, in my opinion, because there's a lot of things that we don't talk about. So, Mm -hmm. we have to be able to draw the line to protect ourselves. Right.
0: And a lot of that goes back to the fact that, like, we never saw, excuse me, we never saw the women in our family practice that. And I don't think it's because they didn't want to. I don't think it's because, you know, they couldn't. I think a lot of it is because they just didn't have the mental fucking capacity to think about what they needed at the end of the day when they've been caring after everyone else, probably had another job. Like, damn, y'all. Like, go hug the female figure in your life who helped raise you because... It's I you know I I've had the the honor of having some of these conversations with my grandma now and yes although sometimes she's trifling and is like don't go on that trip because your daughter's <laughs> gonna forget who her mother is you know <laughs> other times cold. like it's hella cold she that hurt. Um, you know a lot of other times she talks to me about like the way that her mother grew, you know, how she grew up and how, you know, her her grandmother influenced her, which is my great great grandmother. And and just seeing the fact that like a lot of times the strong female figures in our families were strong because they had to, not because that was their choice. Mm. Like if I could if I could go back and talk to, you know, my mm-hmm. abuelita Andreita or my, mom, like, mama tinita, like, I'd, I would want to ask them, like, had you been able to make a, a real decision about your life and the trajectory? Like, would you have, what would you have done? What would you have done differently? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, and really understand that sometimes they just didn't have the capacity to yeah. think about what they needed at the end of the day.
1: There's just too much. There's it's too exhausting. much on our backs. There's too much pressure to keep everyone together. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I see that in my own grandma. When my grandpa passed away, like mm-hmm. they owned a restaurant for over thirty years. They were business partners. Mm-hmm. They were like, you know, they're in love. And and I like say that so cynically. <laughs> um, no, I do. Yeah. I believe they were. I think that they had something special. Mm-hmm. And. Um, like, to see her keep the whole family mm. together after. Yeah. Um, and even, like, even taking care of my dad, who is now, like, someone who is learning to live life outside of his marriage. Um, it's amazing. Like, she's – I don't – I don't feel bad. I don't know how old my grandma is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's, like, 70. Um, my grandpa died a little young. Um and she's still doing all of that, mm-hmm. and still making food for everybody, and taking care of everyone, and still finds her way to the casino now and then. Oh yes, grandma. <laughs> okay, that is her self care. That is her self care. You Grandma go to the casino. Grandma go to the casino. Grandma is not, she's now embracing her grays. Um, yes. So is my nana. All my all my grandmas are embracing their gray hair now. Look. I'm like, look, you don't got time, grandma, Mm-mm. to worry about them gray hairs and also, embrace who cares? that wisdom. Hell yes, that silver wisdom, um, and I, I want to think that there are parts of being a mother and being a, uh, like f- like a person who's a female head of household mm-hmm. that, that really like as a feminist I'm I still really hold dear you know there's the duality of like I i love the idea of making home mm-hmm. of like doing the work in the household yeah to to make make a house feel like a home yeah um and that's that's something that i enjoy um and i also enjoy the idea of a shared partnership with someone mm-hmm. who also takes on that responsibility yeah and i think that's something that as i'm thinking through i mean not exactly yet because i'm not ready for it but if i'm when i'm thinking through the kind of um partnership i may want to have in the future it's like being open to having these cultural practices of of having a home and making a life with somebody but also still being my own my own person Mm -hmm. that's important and and seeing if that can if that can exist yeah it's hard it's really hard
0: my partner and I are are experiencing some growing pains with things like that and they're they're all welcomed right him and I have been together for whew, quite some time um we will be married six years in September and wow. yeah um <laughs> uh, this last year has been really rough a lot of our really close friends know that um but we're in a position right now where I literally left him at home with our baby for a month and his response to all of this, which came really fast because of some other fucked up situation at work that we'll talk about in another episode when it comes to the professional workspace and women. Mm. Um, the, from literally from one day to the next, it was like, okay, I'm not going. And then the next day it was like, okay, but I can. And his, the two questions he asked me were, do you still want to go? And when I said yes, the second question was great. When are you booking your flight? Hmm. Right. And and everything else has been we'll figure it out, like, but it'll be fine. And I've been checking in every day. And of course, there's this like guilt. Thanks, grandma, um, of being away from my baby. But. There's also this other person on the other side who has every single time that I have asked him, like, do you want me to come home? Do you need me to come home? Should I come home? He's like, no, you, like do what you like went out there to do and do it well. Mm-hmm. Like we're good here. So it's and not that we've got it down perfect because that does that. There's no such thing. Right. <laughs> but I think. We're now in a place where we're constantly striving to support one another as as people, not as, you know, our kids' parents, because we're so much more than that. And that, I think, is what has been the hardest part. So it's possible. It just takes a lot of work, a lot of work. Mm. And And it's
1: wonderful to see like someone I love so much do that work you know like yeah. like um like how great it is to be able to have friends who are at different places in your life yeah. and you get to learn from each other like yeah and you know at some you know when we were all like little we're all going through the same things at the same time nobody knows what you're doing nope and... i still
0: don't it's a trap don't grow up
1: <laughs> so now I, it's really fortunate as you know as a woman to be you know really close with other women who are in different places in their life. Like, mm-hmm. you know, people who are married, or divorced, or separated, or mothers, or mothers-to-be. Um, I think that's really powerful to be able to, to keep leaning on each other throughout. Yes. And, um, you know, be able to be the, the kind of support that they need outside of their romantic partners, Yeah, um, when we can, you know? and. Yeah, I want to go back to what you said about, like, being a mom and um... not wanting to enforce, like, these gendered stereotypes. Yeah. I think that that's something that I don't give the women in my life, the women in my family enough credit for, Mm -hmm. is um, always, uh, for the most part, really supporting... The idea, like once I made a decision about something, when I was like, I'm going to school, or I'm mm-hmm. going to school again, or I'm moving out of the house, <laughs> right. or you know, or this is like this is my partner, and and this is a person I care about. Like every time I've like presented them with like a decision I've made in terms of like family and romance, um, I feel like for the most part they've been very supportive, yeah. and I think I think at the end of the day, the something that. Um you and I talk about sometimes is like the unconditional family love. Oh, and yeah. like you know, we 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 say unconditional and unconditional means there's no boundaries. Oh, that's so dangerous, <laughs> which is really dangerous. Um and so I'm I'm trying to think more of unconditional love in the sense of like at the end of the day, mm-hmm. whatever you decide, that's I'm going to support you. And mm-hmm. that's what I'm hearing like when you're talking about your husband like Whatever you decide for yourself, I'm gonna support you. Because um, this idea of unconditional family love, like family first, always um, at face value, is just not healthy and is no, not. <laughs> absolutely not. Especially if your family is toxic and draining okay. and hurtful and harmful. Um, so I think that the condition I wanna have for myself and my family is you know, I will challenge you, mm-hmm. I will. Um, own own my own healing and loving um and be able to you know articulate my needs and wants um and i will provide and support you in the Mm -hmm. same way that you provide and support me um and at the end of the day i'm here for you yeah and
0: that's a beautiful thing Because it allows you to create the boundaries that you need to, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm constantly trying to learn how to love people the way that they need to be loved Mm -hmm. while also being very conscious about how much of myself I'm giving away and not receiving in return because that's real. Like as somebody who is an empath and as someone who is all up in her feelings all the time and in everybody else's feelings and just loves Love, like it's so hard to get caught up in relationships that are draining because people don't know how to love you back. And a lot of times that happens with our family because we feel this like blood is thicker than water stuff, right? And I'm like, look, y'all, I ain't nearly as close to half the damn people that I'm related to by blood. <laughs> when you know when you compare the people in my circle that I trust one of them, Shares the same genetic makeup with me,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that is my my sister. Everybody else is someone that I have chosen to be a part of my family, right? And that is at first was survival. Like I just, I've never. I was always the oddball in my family. Like my cousins made fun of me. Like my there was never this expectation that I was going to be successful. Um, because my parents split when I was really young and there was a lot of like trauma and all these other things. And so to grow up and, and thrive for me, I'm like, none of y'all helped me get here. So why do I have to be loyal to y'all when, when y'all never showed up for us? Right. Whereas my friends, like, especially the ones that are in my closest circle show up for me all the time. All the time. So you can take your blood is thicker than water. Because, yeah, fine, okay, it is, but that doesn't mean anything to me. Mm. Like, it means absolutely nothing to me. Yeah. I have chosen the people that are good for me, that are good for my child. Like, that's also really important to me. Like, if, if you don't spend time with my kid or you've never spent time with my kid, like, there's a reason why, right? Like, it's about surrounding ourselves with people that love us authentically and that want to be a part of our story, Mm -hmm. and that want to be a part of our fabric, whether that's for decades or for a couple years, like whatever that narrative is going to look like. But you best believe I'm not letting some of these toxic-ass motherfuckers that call themselves my family anywhere near my kid.
1: Mm -hmm. It's just not happening. Yeah, I think chosen family is so important, and I think it's something that... I I get to, I like that I see more of like when Father's Day or Mother's Day roll around, I see more and more like supportive posts on social media about like, if today's a tough day for you, that's right. okay. Not right. everybody has like this nuclear family mm-hmm. um, and it's not always easy. And I feel like I've had to also decide not to talk about my family or some parts of my family experience with friends who – make me feel bad for having a different family experience Mm. too Mm -hmm. or you know even like you're like I know that some of my um older family members like just love to I don't know be set in their racist ways they're racist misogynistic um uh you know you know the dichotomy of like Mm -hmm. The child of immigrants hating immigrants. Uh, Ugh. <laughs> oh, yes, I have that. I have that in my family, oh, and it's that's real though. And it's really hard to 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 be someone in in you know, where culturally like family comes first and family is everything. But right. then. But then they're not. No,
0: absolutely (laughs)
1: not. They're not. I'm closer to my family in Merida, who I haven't seen since I was
0: 21, Mm. to most of the family I have here in the States.
1: Yeah. And I think that's more and more okay. Absolutely. Like, of course, like I, you know, if there's a family reunion, if there's a family party, I'll be there. Nah you're a better person than I am I'll be there mostly because I I just really love my nephew
0: oh he's he's so
1: cute (laughs) Uh, I love I love 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 my nephew um and I think like part of me has I I balance too because I know like I need to protect myself I need to you know be places that give me energy and where Mm -hmm. I thrive But I also know that there's a lot of like my cousins and my siblings are starting to have kids. Mm. So now there's a lot of younger kids. Yep. And I want to, I want to be the Thea that calls people out. Like I'm not afraid to be the Thea that's like um, actually like, no, no, that's problematic or um, you know, I'm going to need to take you, I Theo, I need you to take a million seats right now because okay. what you just said is um, a, inaccurate and racist, yeah. probably. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear the complete statement, but I already know. I already know. Yeah. Um so there's that like response like the responsibility yep. to, you know, now that there's like more little babies um growing up, I want to be able to be around to like help them understand those boundaries consent knowing yes. that it's okay to talk to your family members about things yes. um that bother you and and how you wish that they would improve. Absolutely. Um, and you know, it's not always going to work out cuz no. I've spoken my piece about some things that I keep seeing happen. Um <laughs> but I am I'm at least glad that I'm able to to say what I need to say. Yeah. And I just know that like I'm not going to go to every family party, but I will be there for some of the things and I'll be um, more confident in navigating that space because it's sometimes a little hard for me still. Wow, that was so much. It was a lot, Boo. (laughs) (laughs) It was a lot. Thank you for sharing with me and opening up with me like that. I really appreciate you. Of
0: course. Thank you, Boo, for providing a space that feels safe. We are just one big, huge ball of affirmations. (laughs) All right, y'all. Thank you so much for listening today. We know that we carried a lot of, or covered a lot of heavy material. And so we want to take a minute to remind you um, that you don't necessarily have to jump right back in to whatever you were doing when you started listening. Um, I also want to invite you to... um, Take a quick second to recognize if there's anywhere in your body where you might be holding some tension. Maybe it's in your shoulders. Maybe your fists are clenched. Maybe you're not sitting comfortably. I want you to recognize that some of that may have come from some of the feelings that came up in today's episode. So take a minute, to just take a deep breath. And release a little bit of that tension if you can. Take a walk. Maybe just step outside for a second if you have to, to recenter yourself. Um, and remember that it's okay to give yourself the time and the space to process the things that we just talked about.
1: Ooh, thank you for that reminder, Des. I definitely feel a little tight in my neck as we talk about some of the more um, stressful things. Mm-hmm same boo. yeah mm-hmm. that's my spot yeah. yeah all right so now we're gonna share our commitments to being our best mejor sola self yes this upcoming week. yes yes <laughs> between yes between now and the next episode mm-hmm. drop uh so desiree oh <laughs> how do you intend to be your best
0: mejor sola, self i think between now and the next episode drop um I definitely want to take a little more time to curate some better music for the gym (laughs) if I'm being super real like the playlist I have right now is pretty good um but I know that Mm -hmm. like it's getting a little old like hearing the same thing over and over is not helping my workout so that's definitely one of them and then I think another one um I have a lot of uh, little like tidbits sitting in my, in the back of my mind in terms of like pieces that I want to write or short stories that I want to start. And so I think getting them from out of my brain onto paper or onto my notepad on my phone is also going to be something else that I'm going to work on in the next couple of weeks.
1: Oh yes. I can't wait for those words yeah. to spill out of you. They're like magic. Sometimes. <laughs> what about you, M? They're like magic. What about or you? Or curses. Boo? um i intend to oh well, i'm afraid to say it because i'm not just saying it to you who's gonna hold me accountable <laughs> i'm putting this in, into a podcast into the universe That's so there's the other point. people <laughs> and a lot of strangers or or not strangers you're you're friends now because you're here with us girl they fit to uh, know more about us than some of our the people we call our friends do okay oh no <laughs> <laughs> Well, with that, I intend to practice some more radical honesty with um, the people around me. Ooh. I feel like that's some—that's a boundary that is the quickest to go. Yes. Um, I you know talk a little bit about this throughout the episodes, but I've been—I tend to be on the more introverted side about some things, or I can um, suppress some of my feelings very well. Mm. well. At least I think it's very well. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> And just like being honest about my discomfort. Yes, girl. I think that's something that I am always such a people pleaser mm. when I'm, I don't know how to say no sometimes. Mm. And when I'm, when I'm practicing in it, I feel good. I feel empowered. And then when I am, when I feel less than or when I feel insecure, that's the first boundary to go is, is my own comfort and my own, um, my own want to be in a space so i'm gonna practice just saying what i want saying what i need um to an extent you know Mm -hmm. discomfort is good because it means growth Uh, but understanding the understanding the line between discomfort and uh, the kind that makes you grow and the kind that maybe is just weighing me down yeah so that's real
0: good for you boo i'm gonna hold you accountable (sighs) to that too
1: i know you will
0: All right, amores, please remember to be gentle
1: to yourself. Because your first love should be you. Again, you can follow us on Instagram at Mejor Solapod. You can also email us any suggestions of topics you'd like to cover or if you'd like any access to resources that we may have mentioned throughout the episode at MejorSolaPod at gmail.com. Bye.